Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Just retired, what, about two months ago? Who, George? George Clinton. Yeah, he retired. He's not touring anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Seaton. It's a good run for him. But it was a great run for him. Good years, sir. He came out. One of the day I met him was backstage at a, at a show. Philip was at the old Met Center, and they said, "You want to meet George Clinton?" I said, "Of course, I want to meet George Clinton. I'd love to meet George <laughs> Clinton." So he comes out and he's full of regalia, and I mean, he's got the robes on. He's got. Yeah, he's got everything going, and he's got his. Remember, we used to carry a spear around with him. Oh wow! He actually carried a spear with all kinds of, all kinds of feathers hanging from it. So he comes out and he's he's looking at me. He's walking up to me. He's looking at me. He's looking at me. Look at me. Gets up. He said, uh, "George, this is Tom Bernard." And he goes, "Huh?" <laughs> Turns around and walks away. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was the great. He goes, "Huh?" You can get away with it. I wonder what kind of drugs he was on at that time. That guy, I tell you what, though, because he he had Parliament, Mm -hmm. Funkadelic, Mm -hmm. Brides of Funkenstein, Bootsy Collins. He had the one group, (laughs) but there were like five different groups, Mm -hmm. and he would just rotate them out on stage. Five acts appearing on the same night. (laughs) It was the same group. The Brides of Funkenstein. I love that one. (laughs) Bootsy Collins was a genius, man. I really. He had some indie random singles that I listened to. Like, damn, this dude was genius. He was. That Um, whole group was. I'd rather be with you. That was Bootsy, right? I'd rather be with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
and then like you know apparently I didn't know he worked he was in James Brown original band and stuff yep, and he yep. was crazy like that nah I messed with them James Brown is another one man you, you, ever, seen, you ever seen that movie I have not seen the movie. Here's why I didn't see that movie. Yet. Sure. I do want to see it, but I wanted to see Ray, mm -hmm. the Ray Charles story. But then they told me that Ray Charles in the movie is not that nice a guy. So I didn't want to see the movie because I love Ray Charles. So I didn't want it to be ruined for me. I, I don't wanna... know who said that. He was. It was. Right? He was acting appropriately to the circumstances. No, Same thing right. with James Brown. Oh, you okay. saw he was crazy. But once you realize his mother abandoned him in a, in a, in right. a shack in the yeah. woods in yeah. Alabama and he had to survive, he was, oh, well, he's acting like somebody who's trying to survive in the backwoods. So, I don't know. I, the Ray movie was, now nah, it's dope. I think it's recommended. I, I can't it. believe it's seen. It's and been I, like 14 years now. Well, I know, but I didn't want to see it because I loved Ray Charles. Ray Charles was my hero. I mean, honestly, God, just singing Georgia or, uh, you know, you don't know me. I mean, my God, that stuff is great. I was too young, uh, so when that movie came out, I remember I was waiting. I was waiting for all the hits, but the main hit I was waiting for was the one where he did the Pepsi commercial. <laughs> I was waiting for the Pepsi commercial scene in that movie, and it never happened. I was like, oh, oh okay, he must have did stuff before the Pepsi commercial. <laughs> or Cocoa Wheats. Remember he did the Cocoa Wheats commercial? No, I don't Co remember that. Cocoa Wheats. You don't remember that? No. Remember that commercial? I know so Pepsi. I know you got the right one, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for that commercial. Sing the commercial. I'll buy it. I'll do the sing the commercial. Now, it's a great, very quick story. Because Seton and I were talking about the fact they worked at Capitol Records back in the late 70s and early 80s. And uh, when I was working there, James Brown was on Polydor Records. And Polydor, I don't even know if Polydor is around anymore. But they were, he wanted to sign a new contract with Polydor Records. And he didn't like the deal they were offering him. So he called... Uh, president, the President of the United States, James Brown calls the President of the United States and said, why don't you do me a favor and kick Polydor out of the country? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted Polydor kicked out of the country. What'd they do? Uh, he said, well, I can't really do that. <laughs> was it Nixon or Ford at the time? Because um, I think so Nixon would have did it, but Ford couldn't. <laughs> Ford was like, ah, I, got of, I got a lot of heat, y'all. I just pardoned the president. I can't be kicking out. God, who was, so, who, yeah, it might have been, was it Carter? Oh, yeah, Carter definitely wasn't going to do nothing. No, he Carter, wasn't Carter was, was, was Carter couldn't even sell. Don't ask me these questions. <laughs> Carter was president 72 to 76. What are they trying to do? Date you? Yeah, 76 to 76 to 77 to 81. It yeah. was Carter. So it was Carter. Yeah, yeah Carter was under that. Mm -hmm. Carter, Carter would take the call, though. Carter took the call to say Oh, yeah. He, I don't yeah, talk yeah, to anybody. <laughs> but he's not like Trump. He's not going to get stuff done. You know what I mean? I'm just talking now. Now you got the chef all upset. No, I've, I've, I've had a couple questions I wanted to ask. You want to ask Seaton? Yeah. What's up, chef? You know, that, that, see, I like this man. This man's about respect. Hey, chef. Hey, that's, I am that. So, anyway, I, I want to ask him something. So, obviously, we're different generations, you know. So, I, I don't want to say how how old you are, but, you know, I'm I'm pretty old, you know, so. Oh, God. Hey, hey, man, all these things you talk about the 70s, fess up. You lived through them. You seen them. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I, I seen them. I lived through them. I knew um, James Brown. I personally knew James Brown, you know, and I played in New York. Yeah. And uh, 
the money was in New York for those entertainers. Sure. No doubt about it. But I, I want to ask you this. I know about his dalliances with those girls. <laughs> so, hey. Let me ask you something real quick. Actually, it was you... all good. It was all good. <laughs> before, so you were a black celebrity in the 70s. I wasn't Am a celebrity. I was a football player. Yeah, man. But you, you were a model, too. You though. were in the circle. It's all... It's all stupid stuff, man. But it was, it was good. But once you do one great black thing in the seventies, all the other blacks, you like, they put you on the list, right? Like you're, you're part of the circle, yeah. Am I crazy? Hey, man, the circle was crazy. I mean, what was the circle? I mean, those times were were times when we were forging this country. Mm-hmm. They were fighting. James Brown was known as a disciplinarian. Yeah, he you was. know, he was the same thing as Prince. Wilson they didn't take. Pickett. They didn't take stuff. Wilson Pickett, you know, was the and same you was way, late yeah. for this or that, and he was that kind of guy. He was the forerunner of of getting black entertainers paid. He was battling w- with them. So I see Chase, but I, I, I'm getting away from what I want to get to. Okay. Like, do they call you? What what generation are you? I, like I'm old school. I'm I'm like what do they call us? Uh, I don't know. Are you well, a baby well, boomer? Yeah, we're ba- baby I'm a baby boomer. boomer. I am okay. That's for sure. See, okay. so w- what would you describe? What are you? Um, I'm in between. Like, I'm not a Generation X. Those dudes are in their 40s. And I'm not exactly a millennial because those people are in their, like, 20s. But I'm 36. So okay, so you fall in. I'm see. in between. I'm a 2000. I, I'm, I think I'm, you're technically Generation X. Technically, I'm Generation X, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely, I graduated 2000 high school. and that's. But they don't, for some reason, we should be the millennials. I don't know why these, these kids now are the millennials. I know. Uh, that's a horrible that's Why should y'all that's be the millennials point. then? Because of the graduating in 2000? Yeah, that's I, one way we're like. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're born in 2000, mm. I guess that's the millennials. That's <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, we're in between. I'm just like I could hang with. Be, I could be to be responsible, or I could keep fucking up for a few more years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really that kind of. Oh, oh, Reddit, we're not cursing. No, they check it out. on radio too. Oh, okay. Well, well right. you get me. Fleet, fleet, fleet. <laughs> you, you you know all this stuff. You know this history of of Bootsy and all them. Like oh, I'm yeah. looking at you. Nah, <laughs> you, you, nah. You ain't, you really don't know. You know, but you know about them. You, you I mean, oh, well, that, my year, my the '90s for black people. Black youth in the '90s, we were sampling all the '70s songs, so I just know. It yeah, y'all still, like, y'all still music in a minute. Y'all sell, y'all good at that. <laughs> I like it. Y'all bad boy. This is a fun argument. Get paid, please. sample. I like sampling. Get paid. I don't know. Sampling. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna defend musicians. I don't play music like that. I just know that you know. I like it. <laughs> see, but 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 see, those people you're talking about were advocates mm-hmm. for this blackness thing. Mm-hmm. And see, when I listen to you, would you consider yourself an advocate for blackness? Advocate for blackness? You mean in the same sense? I mean, hey, you got to look don't at the context. Dodge. Don't, don't, I'm not don't dodge dodge in the context. <laughs> advocating blackness. You no, 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 no. Advocating blackness in the 70s was a real, like, a different context than advocating blackness right now. Advocating blackness in the 70s was, like, a lot more. I'm not saying we're not, we're still dying and being shot now, but back then it was not talked about, not seen, and it was like you were, you were called crazy. Now it's like, <laughs> yeah, you call it, oh, there's a racism. You're being a crazy Negro. Be happy for yourself. And now, <laughs> oh, there you go. I like it. You, you right on the money. Yeah. And now, yeah. We now, was doing good. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like a weird, fun, not, I'm going to call it weird. It's a very specific growing white guilt that is, comes out in two different ways. One, no, it comes no. out as over-apologetic, I can't do anything. No, or no. 
Or you think a, it's a guilt? Or 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 I got to leave the room. Or got to leave the room. You got people denying it, like going like they're crazy. Like there's still the absent crazy deniers slash Trump supporters, and the people who are overly guilty. <laughs> and so there's really both. I'm going to argue both sides are completely unhealthy. It I does agree. Not, you yes, can't just hate yourself, you and you can't hate I other agree. people. You got to figure out why. Well, they don't hate themselves. They only hate white men, not white women. Right. That's yeah. what I like. Yeah. White women yeah. hate white men. I asked one simple question. It's way out of hand. He's way out. He said, "Where they go?" Philip, trouble me. Oh well, I heard you this week, brother, and, and I don't. You don't even want to interject what I, what I heard this week. What, what you, you said, you brought it, introduced the word, and I loved it. You were talking about it on your show. I was listening. Yeah. Passive aggressive. Oh, you didn't well, well, and I'm listening to that word. I'm like, here, here. They didn't, oh, you didn't, you didn't introduce something into. You know, they're two opposite words. You passive or you yeah, aggressive. That's why it's but so unhealthy. Why is it so unhealthy? Be passive like, aggressive? Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, Seton, man, you're my kind of guy. You're my kind of guy. As soon as you turn around, I'm going to stab you right in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's oh. passive aggressive. Oh, you're talking about that's, that's just a BS lie. That's all. <laughs> I think, well, it is. I, yeah. think, I think more of the passive aggressive coming from like a restaurant standpoint is the customers are, uh, you know, you're right there with them. You're trying to deal with them at the restaurant, trying to make sure that their problems are solved where, where they would rather deal with it not with you face to face but yeah, on a computer at right. home on you know? oh right yeah. that's my so it's like, like yeah. to your face they want to be super nice but as soon as they get home now they're that aggressive person on the keyboard who's like nah 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 I, I actually hate you you know what you know why that is though because yeah. they're afraid if they complain to your face that someone's going to spit in their food or something worse Man. yeah oh, they mean, really they cowards really are. are you saying they cowards yes yeah well I mean well, it, yeah, I mean I I've heard of servers saying that they do stuff to people's food. <laughs> well, well, but like I don't so you don't want to complain. Right. But I feel like at a comedy complain. club, though. Is the whole country, if you look at the, the movement, and I don't want to say white people since we we got some in this room. Right? <laughs> got a few. We got a mixture of black <laughs> folk. Whose show is this? <laughs> hey, I'm done with it. I'm done. But I want to ask you one more question. Sure. I want to ask you one more question. How are we doing on time, Andy? Oh, 11.30. 11.30, okay. You know I want to ask you this question. Ask away. You know, because you're from that generation, and that generation, 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 that young school. So I want to ask you something. How you spell Seton? <laughs> How you spell your name? Sure. S-E-A-T-O-N. So like C and then ton, but it's like usually town by the sea. Or C-Town, C-Town. See, y'all got those names. Yeah. And what, what, then they give you that name, and everybody, when you say it, or Fumububoo or whatever, how you spell it? You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about these names. I'm talking about these names. You, you know what I'm talking about. I know. I know what you're saying. And I say, and I hear it, and I'm like, oh, hell. You know, what does it mean? Why they give it to you? I mean... But, you know, I respect names. I understand. Mm -hmm. now, you know, during the black generation, as you know, in the 70s is when they had a whole big black, oh, pro-black wave. tell me about it. My brother was named after Malcolm X's second name, Malik. And um, I was named... My name is Old English because I was... My dad... My mom tried to name me kind of hippie-ish, Elijah Michael. And then my dad came in because he was gone that weekend I was born. So he came <laughs> the next weekend and was like, nah, 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 you're going to be named after your great-uncle who has land because maybe you get land after him. So I have, I have a great-uncle Seton. And, I was gonna uh, say Seton sounds like uh, Celtic almost. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of the moments. See, now we're going Celtic being European. 
Yeah, I'm Irish. old Irish. Yeah. Right, my name is definitely old white. I don't know what. It's definitely old white. I can't even admit. That. I can't even deny. <laughs> I, I just love names, I, 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 especially how in our community they've evolved. They have. And, and there's a, a lot of big difference between old school and young school and, and names. But it's all to be respected. It's all good. Yeah, no, there's, there's some names out there that are horrific. I remember <laughs> there was a... Uh, uh, I think she named her child like Celia or Celia, but the way she pronounced, the way she spelled it, the way there's a story with it. She was like, I was in the hospital, I saw a doctor's chart, and I saw that name, and I was like, that's a pretty name. And she spelled it syphilis, but she oh, pronounced it like Celia. Oh, oh, that's so, oh, there are things like that. There are names like that. There are yeah, other ones where like they combine. Like I named, I took my three best friends yeah, and I combined their names. Yeah. But then you're not friends with them anymore. But the child still has this horrible name of uh, Amanda Fico. It's like all you like people asking you your name. Does it make you insecure? How you spell your name? You know, when teachers and all that. You know how I spelled it? S E E T O N. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, cause, but does it make you feel different? I mean, people ask me all the time, like, you know, especially teachers. You, does it hurt your self esteem when you're young? Or it or did until I was about third, fourteen. Okay. 14 years old was the day I remember that because I moved to I used to move a lot growing up and I moved to this other this high school, uh, Montclair, New Jersey. And I remember a teacher asked, "What's your name?" I said, "My name is Seaton." And this one ghetto ass girl in the back yelled, "What did he say? Did he say Satan? <laughs> <laughs> did he just say Satan?" And 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 I remember reacting Satan. really angrily and I put my middle finger up to her like, "Uh, whatever." And she's like, "Why'd you put your middle finger up to me? I didn't know what was going on. What's your name? What is it?" Because Satan would do that. Yeah, <laughs> but then, exactly. I realized I was reacting badly. If I just said, "Hey, no, my name is Seaton," she could have had a chance to be like, "Oh, I'm sorry." As opposed, to, I flipped out and I made it bad. So ever since then, I was like, "You know what? Who, who cares? It's a stupid name." But as, she can, as she we can. take a very quick break, I'd like to point one thing out. Hmm. Is that you see we have Hillary there and we got Trump there, but the person staring at you, Satan, is Jesus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> white Jesus too. So. That's white Jesus too. <laughs> I'm gonna question that Jesus. No. <laughs> we'll be right back more with Seaton Smith and Philip Wise and Murray's here too. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard show. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customers? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect? (laughs) (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. 
Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Well, Uh I got a woman way over town. Way over town. That's good to me. Bootsy Collins? No, it is not Bootsy Collins. Ray Charles. Ray Charles. Whose real name is? Jay Rarles. What's his real name? Ray Charles. He has to change his name. I should know that. Because they they, they said, talked about it. Somebody already used his name, so he had to change his name to Ray Charles. What's his real name? Chubby Checker? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's it. His real name is Ray Robinson. Daddy, oh, really? Oh, yep. good point. We couldn't use Ray Robinson because Ray Robinson was a great boxer. Sugar Ray. You got to hate you, Tommy. Because you know you. all those things. God you know all those things so a black man is supposed to know, and you know them. I know all the words to That's every amazing. John Lee Hooker song ever written. Who? No black or white guy knows that. Wow. That, that's amazing. Look at him. I love John Lee Hooker because he's... Any guy that's sitting play guitar and he's got a he got a fifth of Chevas under his seat every time you see his picture. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm outdoors. I said to my friend, I'm outdoors. My favorite Ray <laughs> Charles it. song is, I think it's called I'm Busted. Yep. You know that one? I'm Busted. My bill's song. all doing the baby. Why would you like a song about I'm busted? I'm busted? I love that song. <laughs> Cotton is down to a quarter of a pound. Uh-oh. I'm Busted. It's Some so serenation good. going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is a really good song. It, it is a great, great song. song. It's a very short song, but it's it is a great not very song. Long. I never liked that song. Why not? Really? Because you were busted? It was a national anthem for brothers. I'm Busted, <laughs> man. Oh, I'm like, yeah, we's Busted, but... We was soldiering on, though, brother. That's why I could watch Good Times. You ain't watch Good Did you watch Good Times, girl? Hey, I, I like looking at that girl. She was oh, gorgeous. Okay. I'm like, hey, Good Times is good. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking my about. My whole life. This is my whole life. Hey, it was a good show. I, uh, uh, the uh, athlete was on it, John Amos. A lot of people don't know. He's a great yeah, athlete. John Amos oh, was, was a good oh, athlete. Oh, he suffered a lot, you know, through those times. Oh, he's a great athlete. He was a good actor. Oh, yeah. He's he dead, yeah. Actor. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm pretty sure. Cause he, he died. died. I remember when he died on West Wing. I feel like he just died, died. But I think he died for real, like a year later. <laughs> it was weird. I think you're right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe they I wrote him out. I think you're right about sick. that. Mm. I tell you a great. You want, I want to tell you a great story about Philip. I love this story about. Philip. Tell some story about other history, man. No, no, no. Some I'm going to tell you a story about you because I was sitting there and I will never forget it. My Philip used to live in my old neighborhood at uh, Upton and McNair. And a house over there. And I'm sitting in his house one day, <clears throat> and his girlfriend, who shall go nameless, she will go. She will remain nameless at this point. She said, Philip Wise, I'm telling you one thing. You're coming over to my family's house for Thanksgiving. He goes, I ain't going to your family's house for Thanksgiving. She said, you are going to my family's house for Thanksgiving, and you're going to do it, and you're not going to argue about it. He goes, I'm not going to your family's house on Thanksgiving. She said, why not? And he said, I want to hang out with your poopy butt relatives. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they they were. Tommy missed the real. They were poop butt 
bourgeois brunch. Bourgeois, you didn't say bourgeois. You know about the bourgeois, yeah, you know. Yeah. So Coupa and, and we, we don't mix. So, but too bougie if for I, you? if you said her name, it crack you off. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm not gonna she, say. Yeah, you gotta call her online. One anonymous girl. She, she was a, a true sister. Even her she name. Was, yeah. Was something. Mm, yeah, it was. Well, it was very nice sister. to me. Well, they names. That that was the beginning of those those names, man. Where well, you say, what, what's your name? <laughs> to, oh, yeah, yeah that honky shake, upstairs living with that with that black shaking. woman. Can you what give us a couple that's examples what? of those names? I don't. I, I don't want to give you. That, that's that's the culture, brother. I don't. During the next you. break, we'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Their names, man. They were Tom can say I'm good sometimes. Are you talking about African names? Oh, mm. they're worse than that sometimes. Worse, worse than African names. <laughs> they're a mixture of stuff wow. you ain't never heard. Wow. You know that. Wow. You know some of those names, man. Come I, clean. I, I'm not gonna call them worse than Africa. Well, <laughs> African names are good. Names. African names make sense. Uh, <laughs> African names. You know what African names are, See, and you're like, feeling. what is that? <laughs> Mbutu, like Mbutu. You don't like Mbutu. Mbutu is an, an African name. It is you an know, African de- name, yes. Denoted with respect and honor. That's but correct. some of these names. Man. I used to have a joke about his uh, name, Yarnakisha. That was one. Yarnakisha? Yarnakisha. That was like a real Yarnikeisha. name. Was it a real name? That was a real name because, yeah, the woman, the mom. Her mom the, the mom's name was a Yasmine, and so she named her kid Yarnakisha. Uh, yeah, it's a hard name. <laughs> when you first heard her name, <laughs> what's the first thing you thought when you heard her name? Um, I I gotta write a joke about it. That, was hey, hey, but, but did you, last, that joke lasted like seven years. It was did, you, did you think how you spell it? Oh yeah, yeah. No, oh, we had to spell it out four times. First, he had to write it on paper. Like I don't know, because there was like a lot more H's in there than I thought. And you're trying yeah. to figure it out, yeah. looking at all kinds of ways. So I yeah. love those names. Y A H R. Y H A R. Y H A R. Nah, Keisha. <laughs> but they're good now. They're all acceptable. Anything goes. Throw it on the wall. That's the name. Acceptable. And it's good. It's you acceptable. You and JB and one other guy are the only black friends that I have that call me Tom. Everybody else calls me Thomas. They won't call me Tom. Mm. Thomas. <laughs> What you that, that kind of respect, huh? Like, like I should and be called. Call me Tom. Hey, Tom. I should be called Philip. Well. Philly dog. The blacks, when we know you, you wasn't called Tom. Yeah, I wasn't. Well, well, tell them what your your nickname. We all buy nicknames. <laughs> you ever told him your nickname? No. That's what you were known by. Cat, to us, Cat everybody. Catman. Yeah, Catman. Catman. Your wow. nickname. What's your nickname? <laughs> uh, uh, my family Murray. get Murdog. 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 Murray the K. What's yours? Dang, I've moved too much. I ain't never, they ain't never you had You never a picked up one when you was young? Nah, because I moved every like year, so I never had a chance to actually get that. You moved around the country every year? Yeah. Was your dad, dad in the military then? Mom. My mom was a black hippie. My mom just wanted, she didn't want to be on her deathbed and regret not doing something. Black hippies or something, bro. Yes. You get quite an education. Where yeah, you yeah. live? I lived, okay, I was born in San Diego, then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, then I moved back to Palm Springs, California, then to Missouri. And Ooh, then not back, short moves. Yeah, then back to Cali with my dad and annoy the part. And then Cali. Jersey. You said Cali. What is Cali, by the way? Cali. So it was. <laughs> I was gotta be proper here, man. My bad. My bad. We got California. I'm educated uh, man. Palm Springs, California, then Riverside, California, and like Palm Springs is good. Riverside is a garbage uh, uh, city. That was a place where I don't know if you remember. Uh, in the fifties, people used to run. If they messed up in L.A., they would go hide in Riverside till yeah, the shit like yeah. fell down, and they go back. And that's why I was 
<laughs> so, uh, where my parents got married, by the way. Who's that? They got really up on Mount Rubido. You know where Mount Rubido yeah. is? Yeah. They got married on top of Mount Rubido. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, there's a big cross up there. Am I crazy? Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Whoa, Tom, I never knew that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, they got married under the cross, as a matter of fact. Wow. That's was it Mernon? <laughs> yes, it was. Phil. My dad was wearing his so white hood. No, I didn't say he was burning. So cool. He was wearing a hood. Hey, you know how they burn those crosses, man. That's so cool. Yeah. Hey, I don't like I said. See, I've been putting up with this for 45 No, hours. no, Tommy know what I'm saying. I, you know, I did something with you yesterday. I don't know what to do. Because, you know, you and, you and I have been spending some time on the phone talking about Dickens and things like that. I heard you this morning. You was in a heavy show. You know what I did yesterday because of you? I went over to Cliff's old house on Hillsborough, and I sat in their driveway because it's where I met you. Playing basketball. Cliff was a very interesting guy. He was. Very interesting. He's a woman now. And I, I know that. A lot, a lot of people woman. don't like it. You know. Why don't they like it? It's, it's her business. Know. They, they threatened by it, whatever. Yeah, it's her business. You, know? you want to be a woman? Be a woman. He's, he's, great. A, great, he's a great quarterback, though. No. Wow. He's a great quarterback. I, now, that I didn't know. They are, oh, the, yeah. fem they are the feminine <clears throat> ones. But <laughs> I, I knew, I, I knew. If he, anybody, I knew he was, he was changing at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I played racquetball with him, and you know, an ex-athlete, you know, and he's changing, and we in there, and we going at it, tooth and toe, playing racquetball, and he whooping my, he just laying it on. Good athlete. Oh, and I'm saying, God, I'm being beat by a woman. <laughs> I'm like that was that was like that is not fair because as a professional athlete you world class yeah they gotta really dig the beach they, they as males they bigger stronger and this guy I'm saying I'm gonna I said well they they got a good one did they you hear Catherine and I last week were watching television and there was a woman's oh, was the it race. four by four hundred yeah, that was yeah mm. and there was a, a transitioning. Male to female. It's not it's fair. Not fair. No. This not guy fair. just kind of He didn't even along. break a sweat. Like, <laughs> or she, was, sorry. She was gone. This can't yeah. happens. They do this in fighting, too. It makes no know, sense. Wrestling and, and MMA, you just are sanctioning domestic violence. Yes. Oh, it like, makes sense. They, they say we're all equal, don't they? They put women in the task and, and to compete against men yeah, but on something. They're not made to, they're bigger. They're, they're stronger. Than, is it fair? Yeah, you technically, know, there's no rule that says like a woman can't join the NFL. It is. It just. It was not even have. close. It and was, he was kind of loping along, just kind of staying with the pack. And then all of a sudden, the last lap was like. He was, he, she was from South Africa, right? Oh, that yeah. the Casim. It's years. Oh man, that. Yep. Well, I don't want to say that guy because when he's running years ago in the Olympics, setting world records yes. in the 800 meters. Yep. Man, I just looked at him and knew he's a man. That's that, what I that, said. That, he still looked like a man. But they have, they do have certain rules that they can't have X amount of male hormones. They have to have X amount Whatever. of female hormones. Yeah, that's Whatever. That's just not fair. Take, take a female yeah. protein shake before you get that. I don't know how that works, but it's just. But who that's knows? that's just. Oh yeah. You ever been beat by a woman? Woman like a real woman? I told you. I. I, I my boy was beating oh, me, bad. man. He was close, and I, I had a hard time. I, you really questioning yourself. You know, you, you know what they call you about when you anti-female. Uh, what's the word? Sexist. Misogynist. Misogynist. You know, and I'm wondering. Hey, you know, it's just a girl, or but you know that's humbling. Men couldn't beat me. 
I remember, you know? No, I know. When I ran track in high school, I remember there were two uh, twins, Mickey, uh, Mickey and Lisa Barber. They went on to run in the Olympics, and we would practice running 400s. And I remember they would just lap me in a 400 run. They would lap 400? me. 400? They would me. Man. I was just like, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, I... I, are we the same species? What the hell is going on? But you wasn't on the top 400 I wasn't. Yeah, I time. wasn't. No, it wasn't so, in my race. But still, yeah. I just, I thought I'd be in the, you know, I think I'd be maybe a, a couple, maybe 100 yards back, not well, like 400 yards back in a 400 yards. <laughs> 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 I was like, damn. I love it. I love it all. Though, see, it's interesting because... You you look at it the same way. It's just not fair. No, it's just completely nah. They're gonna. Ha- I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do about it because if the guy transitioned to become a woman, then he's a woman. But it's still not fair because the muscle structure is totally different. <clears throat> they know it. They they know it. They just look at the records. But sooner or later, if they continue to do this. There's not going to be a hundred meter uh-huh. uh, record for females. Or 100 meter from there, it's just going to be one record. Mm-hmm. Well, then it, women it, will it, never win. Well, yeah. Women will never win any sport if they do that. I don't know. Are you being a, a realist, the reality of it, or you just misogynistic? Yes, I'm a misogynist. <laughs> you know, that's what they'll say. Anna, if you don't, tell, forget, don't forget the racist part. Don't tell the <laughs> truth, Snaggletooth. They'll eat you up. <laughs> hey, they'll get you, man. Truth, you don't want to do that. Tell the truth, Snaggletooth. That's how that's <laughs> Philip. I'm hey. trying to find a white version of this. Like, if there's, like, you know, because, like, it's kind of the Rachel Dolezal situation where, like, you feel like you're black. And oh. I wonder if there's any advantages from transferring. But I don't know. I don't think there is. I always wonder how they how, how is it to feel like you're black? I know. You know, do, 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 you're the real deal. You're black. You're the black experience. Yeah. Do you think somebody want to experience some of the things you went through? I have met many a white woman that had. Listen, did you actually watch the documentary on Rachel Dolezal? Because that actually changed my perspective. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't you watch, watch it because I thought she was black. <laughs> Looking at all that, all those curls and all that, and she was passing for black. She was passing, but there was, she had a good reason to pass though. No, it was always the other way. Pass for white. Yeah, but she was no, but she was passing for black for a very solid reason because her parents uh, used to adopt kids, and one and her older, her real biological brother raped one of the black kids they adopted, oh, and then the parents God. sided with the brother. And so uh, when they were having a case for it, the, and their whole situation where Rachel Dolezal got, got called out, and her parents came on TV to tell every the world like she's crazy, they were doing that for the court case. They weren't doing that to bring her down. Oh, great. So it was like it was just so dirty. It was like, oh, she's rejecting whiteness because whiteness has failed her. I was like, oh, she's rejecting her family, not white people in general. She just feels safer around black people because they don't rape her. Oh, I'm on the oh. side now. <laughs> Good thing. He's so, getting out of hand, eh? Yeah, I just yeah. was like, oh, Ray, she, she's kind of, she's not that bad. I mean, and the, with no context, she is bad, but I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, I understand. I lost out of the room just now. Uh, I, th- I, <laughs> no, thought, no, no, I no. thought it was neat, because it was some of the things she was getting, I don't want to say this, and so she's getting benefits, some welfare benefits. No. <laughs> she's oh, getting a lot of them. Yeah. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, town, you know. <laughs> food stamps? How about food stamps? <laughs> Not just food Everybody gets they, those. That's, they don't call them that anymore. They don't call them food stamps. EBT. EBT yeah. card. They yeah. just hold you up at the grocery line because they, they take do. long as hell to take, process. It takes forever. Forever process. And it God. kicks it back out about three times. Yeah, they got to ripe. They got to <laughs> swipe it to make themselves extra embarrassed just to realize you're <laughs> extra poor. When I had to go to the <laughs> yeah, store to, to buy something with, with food stamps or something, it seems like I'd be standing in the line or something 
it was just as bad as they send you when you're young. Go give me some feminine napkins. You know, when yeah, you're young, yeah, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. mom. You know, so <laughs> I'm standing in line with those food stamps and self-esteems on the line, and it seems like everybody is pointing at me. Oh, yeah. You got food yep. stamps. He's busted. You we, know, so. We'll so. take a quick break. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. We're going old school. I haven't heard this in a long time. It's been a long time. I love Grandmaster Flash. Oh. Should I tell? Should I tell? See, I don't. Murray probably doesn't know this either. But there's a uh, uh, an all black radio station called KUXL in town. Mm-hmm. Right, and it, when did it start, Philip? In the like early seventies. I'm not even aware of this. Thing. Aren't you well, an now expert in all things black? No, K- oh, KMOJ. Oh, it's been around as, as long as I know. I, this is one of my favorite things, man. I got to laugh about it, but I couldn't. I couldn't laugh about it except for in front of specific people. <laughs> so KMOJ is on the news one night. And they said KMOJ is running into some financial problem, and it was it was a public radio station. So I don't know how that happened. Kamoji's running some financial problems. They repossessed their transmitter. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, but that's a our station problem. gave them a transmitter. We, we gave them a transmitter. Wow. But they repossessed the transmitter. I, I thought Terry and, them, Terry and Jimmy helped them. <clears throat> they did, uh, yeah, they did, uh, yes. They did. Every, but that's the thing about Prince and Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam. Yep. When you're successful in a community that's dirt poor, you write checks for everything. And one of the reasons I, I think Jimmy and Terry left here is just too much of a burden. Yeah, I understand. They couldn't care for everything for that community. One of the disc jockeys that worked at KMOJ, mm-hmm. I go, why, why does he call himself that? I don't know. Then I'm in the drugstore and I'm, I'm in the men's fragrance department. Mm-hmm. His name was Chaz Millionaire. And there's oh, yeah. a Chaz Cologne and Millionaire Cologne. He named himself after two bottles of cologne. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's on now. Very good guy. Oh, is he still on? Oh, yeah. He's on. Who Chaz. died? Uh, who, who was the guy that died? Because he was a good guy. 
Remember that very he died very young though. Oh, what was uh, his you name talk again? about the DJ. Yeah, I, I don't think he, Kyle. He didn't die naturally. He was shot. And no, murdered. he was shot. Oh. He was murdered. You know, yeah. uh, Kyle. You know, so many martyrs. Though. Oh God, too hard to, to remember. What was he shot a, over? He was a martyr back in the day. We, nobody knows who, who shot and killed him, but he was a young guy. Who was ahead of his time, and he's trying to climb in politics. And he he rubbed a lot of people wrong, especially uh-huh. sometimes you're supposed to just shut up. You know? Yeah, I guess so. A lot of people in, in where I grew up, a lot of people got shot to death. Mm. They still do, actually. They, the, still, still the hood in Minnesota? Or, Minneapolis? It's gotten bigger, actually. Yeah, oh, wow. absolutely. It Spreading. has gotten bigger, yeah. It's like, a virus. like a virus. <laughs> it's like a virus, Murray, really. Is that what we're going to go with? <clears throat> Was the same neighborhood as Castro died? Philippe, uh, no, uh-huh. he didn't die in the hood. He no. died on the streets in St. Paul. Yeah. Oh, he was wow. supposed to be yeah. Safe. Oh, he got killed in a safe neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it really a safe neighborhood when you're driving safe. while black sometimes? Bro? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, it could happen. You don't you don't usually see a lot of problems though in, in the like let's like, say the inner city neighborhood of Saint Paul. They don't don't have the problems that Minneapolis does. Mm. They got Shout some out to South Saint Paul. South Saint Paul. Shout out to South Saint Paul. Who grew up there? Oh I I played for their high school. I I live there now. You live I in South Saint Paul now. South Saint Paul, and then I played for Kennedy. You played for Kennedy in Bloomington. Yep. I didn't know oh. that. Yeah. That's where I graduated from. Cat, yeah, captain, sophomore you and, year. You and Ken Yeah. But you in St. Paul. Yep. You didn't compete against a lot of class black athletes. Oh my Saint God. Paul. Oh, I did. Oh, absolutely. What school? What school? Listen to Phil. Well, you well, took the easy way so, out. No, I didn't say yeah. that. See, there you go. Always ask between, between them two brothers. Get them up and get them fighting. No, so we, uh, we obviously, Eden Prairie was undefeated four years straight during my generation, and they had supreme African-American athletes. Yeah, but they had the cream of the crop. That's where all the, of pro, course. the pro athletes came in town, and of course. they sent their – they're black kids there. That's much different. And, and way out in the suburbs. It's That's because it like, was close to training camp. It's yeah. not like it was an inner city school. You look know how I mean? small I look next to Herbeck and Laudner. Mm. Those two guys, one of my one of my left is Kent Herbeck, the mm. former first baseman for the Minnesota Twins. And Tim Laudner was the catcher for the 1987 World Championship team, the World Series champions. Wow. Look how small I look compared to those two guys. Wow. Holy God. Man, wow. I tell you what, those were great athletes. I mean, oh, not only great athletes, show they, they were great people. Those are great people. They made oh, the Kent twins. Good as it gets. Their history, the twins are lucky they got people like that in their history. Oh, you got that you right. Know. Herbie's oh, yeah. lost a little weight. Did he? Who has? Yeah, don't you Who? think? Kent? Herbeck, yeah. Yeah, yes. It was so nice to see. He gave me this big hug, and he was just, he, what a nice I man. remember and watching him person. play ball. My God, he used to be able to, he would do the splits and catch a ball. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. First it was baseman. just like, what is going on with this guy? He One was amazing. One of the greatest amazing. first basemen. He really was. Probably the best first baseman I've ever seen. Amazing. Doing a split. Came, came from where? Suburbs. And a big guy, too. He was that flexible. You went to school? Or you you went to his school? Oh, or? There's a picture well, of yeah, I graduated. I was. I actually know Aww. some people that graduated with his class. Um, his sister Carrie. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, Bloomington was a tight knit community. Oh, yeah. um, tell they, me about it. Well, yeah, they have. Well, then they have like every year they have firemen's where the fire departments they have a big softball tournament and everybody that lives in Bloomington is all at yep. at the ballpark and oh, yeah. people are partying at Carrie's house and. 
Um, and I think Ken Herbeck does a lot with the youth baseball does. programs. Yeah. Oh, he and does a lot. Yeah, so he's a he's, he's a, a good guy. Great guy. He is one of those true American dream stories. He grew up, uh, and he could see the lights of Metropolitan Stadium from his bedroom window. And then once he got out of, uh, he, he was brought up from, I think, double A, as a matter of fact, to mm. the major leagues. So he's playing in the very same ballpark that he could see the lights of from his bedroom window. That's that's a great story. Yeah, I, wow. I think my uncle played uh, Little League Baseball with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they were on the same team, but they were in the same. Was he gigantic back then when he was a little kid? Was he one of those no, giant he's kids? Guy. He's tall and skinny. He when was. He, when he, he came, came up, up yeah, man, he's he like. One of the great first basemen, I'm trying to think of his name, that, that you thought he was him because he's a left-hander, mm-hmm. and that guy mm-hmm. was good. Was he out of Kennedy or Jefferson High School? Kennedy. He went to Kennedy. Kennedy. See, Kennedy, uh, Bloomington, to me, led this, this city in integration, mm-hmm. and, and especially his school. They started well, letting Kennedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they well, brought they were, all the black would, athletes yep. in. Yeah, because they would bus, even when I went there, they would bus a lot of the North Minneapolis kids to our school because yep. either their schools were overrun oh, or they were oh, having yeah. disciplinary issues. Half, so. of my, half of my team, when I went to Kennedy, got uh, imported from DLSO. Imported. Oh, like yeah. we had, imported. We had, well, because like they... Um, they didn't have to do any of the like school signing or anything yeah. where you like sign up and you have to live in the neighborhood and all that stuff. Right. So they got like it was a big group that Open had to come. Yeah. Um, so it, I mean, Bloomington Kennedy is definitely led that for sure. Yeah. Are they back open now? Because they closed for a while. No, they didn't. They did. Bloomington Kennedy closed for a while, didn't it? Is I it? don't think so. Oh, didn't it? No, I don't. Oh, think Herbeck so. told me it did. Oh, that'd be a shame. Yeah, just put in a brand, brand new, new brand practice fields and all that. Mm-hmm. A I know they ago. built a um, like a sports center type thing behind Kennedy. I don't know if and they did Andy, some remodeling. You, yeah. but... Andy, will you look up and see if Bloomington Kennedy shut down for a few years? Because I thought it did for some reason. Because they, they should put everybody over Jefferson. It's reminds me of hoop dreams. This whole conversation. It is kind of hoop dreams. That's exactly right. I do. I used to love that kid, the poor kid who wasn't giving any love, who just kept, kept persevering. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna. That's, that's the life I'm gonna live. The poor. I'm gonna kid. get rejected. Yeah, because there was a remember the kid. Remember there was the one that was talented and poor, and they, he was given everything. And there was one that was talented but not like not talented enough, but just as poor. But he was more perseverant. So the other kid who was given stuff. Whenever he failed, he would just cry and go into the corner. And the other kid, if he failed, he was just like, whatever, I'm about to do it again. We're going to make it harder. I'll come harder next time. He was very like, I like that guy. Yeah, a, yeah, the, yeah, those are the people that make it. Yeah. Yeah, just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Just be crazy. Be a little sociopath about it, man. <laughs> I just think about that once in a while. Why I thought, coming out of North Minneapolis at 18 years old, that I could just walk into a radio station and go, you should put me on the air. Yeah. I, I, to this day, I don't know why that happened. That's called successful mind state. I guess. Nobody who said, I'm never going to make it, ever made it nowhere, because that's exactly yeah. what it is. Whatever yeah, you believe in, right. that's the reality. But didn't you see some of your friends were striking out, they were doing good academically? L- look at them. Look at how they, how they turned well, I've out. I've met his friends, no. Mm. <laughs> oh, come on. Tommy has accomplished friends. <laughs> they not? might all be in prison. <laughs> but, but we were just talking about that yesterday. They're accomplished, man. We were talking to, uh, about that yesterday. We were talking about prison. Catherine and, and Alex, our daughter, mm-hmm. and Andy's our son. But uh, Catherine, Alex, and I would go to the prison every Saturday to see a friend, an identified friend. Mm. And when I walked in, the weird thing about it was, is I knew most of the prisoners and half the guards. <laughs> <laughs> like they all grew up in my neighborhood. Oh, wow. Weird. 
Oh, wow. God, it was wonderful. The toughest guard there is a woman. Mm. She's a, uh, I, I know she's Spanish. I don't know if she's Mexican or not. I know she's Spanish. But even the bangers didn't mess with her. I love that. She was like, put your pockets back in. Tuck your pockets. Because the bangers will have their pockets hanging out. So I identify well, as yeah, she left said. one, right one, both. It, it would signify different bang, gangs. Right? Mm. Put your pockets back in. Yeah, she I, said she had to make them all follow <laughs> the rules or they wouldn't respect her. Exactly. So the guy, guy guards can get away with a lot of stuff, but she couldn't. No. What a story! I respect women. Ever since again, since I started this whole boxing thing, I've had I've been beat up by more women than I have in the last three <laughs> years than I have my whole entire Whoa. life. I mean, outside of you know growing up being beat by the whole you know mother stepmother, but like legitimate like choked out, please stop hurting me. Uh, I met a few of them. It's really kind of cool. It's like oh, women are I'm glad you like that. <laughs> There's this one woman who, when I first got there, she's like maybe like she's my height and she's comfortable at one. 65, 170. That's her natural yeah, weight. Yeah. And she'll try to get down to fight, but she's like, eh. Um, anyways, this is one new kid who came. And this is the thing about when you go into a gym. Don't act like you're the hardest dude because it's just you're supposed to turn your ego off. But yeah. you got to learn that. So this one kid is 24, wrestling his whole life. Like, whatever, I can hurt anybody. I'm great. She was like, what? Get on the mat. And in 30 Whoops. seconds, Whoops. she had him in like a half Nelson and broke his nose. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and every man in the room was like, oh, let's leave him alone. Like, <laughs> 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 he ain't talk trash after that. It was great. Uh, <laughs> So, I yeah, it. I respect women. That's all I, like. I have that same problem. I coach youth football, mm-hmm. and and it's like Believe fifth it and not. sixth grade, mm-hmm. and they're like the same size as me. So yeah. these kids don't take me seriously. No. For one, I'm a mom, mm-hmm. and two, I'm the same size as them. So I have to really, you know, dig my heels in and put my <laughs> foot down and tell them what's what. You sound so adorable saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to see it in order to believe, believe it right now. I got that Minnesota accent. <laughs> I know, too. I, I, really I have a whistle. <laughs> Tom, we got one more. You got time for uh, one more prison story? We got three minutes. We got three minutes. Yes, we have time oh, for another prison story. But, but this I, is I, great. I, I want to impress him, though. <laughs> Here's the difference in today and yesterday. When I was in, in the 70s, Guys come up missing, and then they come back four or five years later, and, hey, they're in California. Yeah. You know, well, where are you at? Well, I was out in California in there. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> you know, b- because that's the difference between the day and, and now. Now you go to prison, and you come out, oh. you got st- street cred. Yeah. But mm. they knew yeah. you didn't want to come out and be a jailbird, which they call it. So my rookie year. They took me down to governor, and my friend was an aide for the governor that I went to school with, to this 50-50 black school, which was rare. And I'm going through there. I said, this ain't a good idea. And I'm going through there, and from when they open that door, hey, guys are in sales with their TVs. You see their TVs and how they live and all And they all howl, hey, Philly. And I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. And they said, hey, dog. And I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. And it finally dawned on me. That these guys didn't never leave and go to California. <laughs> <laughs> they, went to they went to prison. And, uh, and they don't do that. Nowadays, you go to prison, you come out, and you got street cred. Yeah. It's a big yeah. difference now yeah, in this society. And that, that actually is too bad. You know, it's too bad that that happened. But I have seen a good side of that in the sense of, like, okay. I remember I used to work at this nonprofit, and there's this one kind of curmudgeon old white guy who used to be in charge of things, and he was always angry. But there was this one worker who he hired who he found out was in prison, 
and he was like, he, made, he went out of his way. He was like, no, we're going to help you rehabilitate, dude. I like you. You're a good person. Okay. And he was one of those kind of blue-collar guys. Like, I'm going to, you know, I don't like rich people. I'm going to help the poor people. And, <laughs> and even when that dude, even when that dude had to go back to jail because <laughs> he, he had to go back to jail because some dude, I don't know, threatened his woman. And so he had to go, he, he decided to go to that dude's house and beat his ass at his house. So he had to go back to prison. That's which, bad, I mean, though. which is, you know, obviously a prison, a welcoming activity. So uh, it's like, yeah, you should go back to prison. But still, he was like, well, when you get out, come back to this work because you're a good person. But um, That is a great story. Yeah. And that's how life should be. Yeah. Seton Smith, ladies and gentlemen, he is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. Run come on by through. Murray. Murray. Are you, are you running the place? I am. I'm yeah, running unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. Running it. Flood my ship. Tonight, two shows. Tomorrow night, two shows. And a Sunday show at 7 o'clock as well. It's great of you to come by. So, I'm sorry you had to meet Philip. Yeah. Oh, man, this is oh, awesome. Man. This has been awesome. He goes, oh, man. <laughs> this has been great, man. He knows where his friends are at now. <laughs> well, I was in California. Where is it? Florida now? Oh, yeah. Or Vegas. I was out in yeah. Vegas, man, living out there. They were living abroad or something. Well, but nowadays, it's, it's no shame. In my community, it was like, man, you're a convict. You're a jailbird. Jailbird. <laughs> it's true. Go see Seaton, House Comedy, tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday. Thanks. We'll be back for hour two. Tom here from my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care? It's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer. And get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. It's amazing to see you. It's wonderful to oh, see you. Oh, thank you. It's true. It's nice to be seen, Tom, after all these years. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, maybe we could start there. It was a choice that you made to, to kind of just not record for a while or, or take time off. And I understand that, by the way. How, how, how many years were you on the road? And I think that's where I'd like to start. I don't know how you guys do that. Excuse yeah. me, Tom. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you need to be closer to your mic. Steve's about twice as loud as you. 
That's okay. You know, Steve. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I do have kind of weird. Steve's as loud as you. A little closer. I said, I'm fine with that. Okay. Can you hear me now? Because I want to beautiful. I'm still pissed off. Is this okay? Yeah. I have a little bit of a projective type voice. I wonder why that. Yeah. Right. Where did that ever come from? I wonder. No, I was all. Now that you can hear me full voice, I like to point out that I've always been mad at Steve because I can't sing along to your songs. You're far too good a singer. I love this thing. I was a singer for, for many years, but man, you. What'd you, you sing? Uh, R&B. Like what? Uh, you know. Oh, you know. Give me one. Of, what was your favorite you R&B song? Uh, of all time was probably Black Pearl. Wow. I love Black Pearl. That's a beautiful man. song. Oh, God. It's that a beautiful guy. melody. Yeah, well, I can't sing that song either. Oh, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. Yeah. But you know, Temptations, all that stuff. Yeah. Who wow. were your inspirations when you were a kid? Same thing. Uh, oh, we were just wonderful. talking about that this morning at breakfast that uh, Motown was my go-to. I remember being in the backseat of a 57 Chevy in, in high school, going to a prom, and Baby, I Need Your Lovin' came on. Oh. And back in those days, of course, I couldn't drive because I was too young, so we double-dated, and they had speakers between the back seat, left and right. Sure, yeah, and absolutely. I could hear Levi Stubbs just beautifully oh, screaming yeah. out, Baby, I Need Your Lovin' with the four tops behind him. And I never forgot that song. So that was kind of some of the early beginnings, along with no Sam Cooke, of course. Oh. Oh, Sam Cooke. Yeah. Another great one. Yeah. You know what we should do? We'll just throw this in the interview, too. You and I should recut You've Lost That Love and Feeling because you oh. can cover Bobby and I can cover... Uh... Yeah, I'll be Bobby Hatfield. <laughs> Bobby Hatfield. God. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he was a singer. That whole thing, I think, really inspired my life. Reading, I, uh, I talked to James Patterson this morning. I was telling people, 375 million books. Singing and reading were the two things, because I grew up in a very poor neighborhood. Right. You know, My mother raised seven kids by herself because my dad was institutionalized. That's what they say now, by the way. You're institutionalized. <laughs> what, that was a code word for? Uh, he was mentally ill. Oh. Yeah, he was schizophrenic. Yeah. But uh, my my go-to was guys like you. I mean, it, it made me feel much better. Marvin Gaye, uh, obviously. Uh, but reading and music were the two things for me that, that literally got me through my early years, my teen years, my 20s, all of it. Mm. I, 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 you guys do need to know what you do for people. Well, you know, that's so sweet to say that because I got to tell you, music saved my life too. When mm-hmm. I was Great. about five years old, I discovered the radio and I, and I never lost my love for radio. It was a connection to the world living a, in a small town of Hanford, California in the central San Joaquin Valley yeah. of California. Uh, and it seemed like it was it was just something invisible that was out in the ether of the world. And, and music was coming into my handheld transistor. And uh, I'm hearing these amazing songs, these amazing R&B songs. Uh, uh, I know something about love. You know, all these Ooh, songs. Sam. You know, and that stuff just to just I was just captivated no because my parents were splitting up when I was uh, seven years old. And I loved my father; he was a singer, and mom and him were having trouble. And I never understood back in those days what was going on because no. kids were not told nothing. All I know is I, like you were saying, I gravitated to music as a as a fantasy, a place I could go for mm-hmm. solace and and just feel good about my life. I I got very lucky because I used to think during those songs, I wonder if a woman that good looking is ever going to fall in love with me. (laughs) I mean, he's like, hey, you talk about how beautiful these women are or or whatever the situation is. And you do, you think about that. Uh, And I guess one reason I mentioned that is because I remember being 10 years old and, and again, doing a lot of reading and listening to music. But I go to movies once in a while. 
uh, and I saw the movie Girls, Girls, Girls starring Elvis Presley, and I looked up and I went, I ain't ever going to be that good looking. Right, man. <laughs> right. That's not going to happen, man. <laughs> Whoa. So you, we began at the very beginning, which I love. What drove you? So so you found solace in music. I did. And it was very tough because mom and dad, are, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough deal because I was 10. That's a tough thing, yeah. And I went back to that uh, hometown and, and went to that house and shot some photos there uh, with a really great photographer. Uh, and the house is, of course, in disarray and basically, yeah. you know, a drug den, I guess, is what I sure. call it. And and to walk through the house for the first time, after not seeing it since I was about ten or twelve, uh, was one of the most painful and cathartic experiences because all the memories in my mind's eye are a certain way, but now to walk through it and see it, first of all, it's really smaller than I remember. Oh yeah, oh yeah, much smaller. <laughs> Very no small, doubt. you know. Yep. But uh, but a lot of memories came back. Some so some good and some not so good. So, but it's just it's it's cathartic. The whole process of of leaving the band and being gone for I gotta tell you probably oh, 30 years uh, 24 yeah. years ago yeah. I did something but yeah, it was pretty good something, by the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> but nevertheless, I had to jump off to yeah. kind of just land back in that kind of life and walk through all those thoughts and memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was going to be a life that I had to make enough again because you, you can't always live in this circling the, the globe sort of life that it becomes. If you're so fortunate, by the way, I'm not complaining, Tom. No, 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 I understand that. Right? If you're so fortunate to get in the music business, which was a dream come true for me, uh, um, it still has its challenges, and you, you don't have to look too far to see people not survive it. You know, one of my the, the great experiences, because I've been doing radio since I was 18 years old. I worked at Capitol Records, actually, for about five years because mm. I kept getting fired. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe that I kept getting fired because I'm such an even-keel guy. Were you out at Capitol in Hollywood? Yeah, I, well, I worked in the Midwest, but I always reported to the Do you know that that has the best live chambers in the world? Oh, I'm telling you, that microphone that Frank Sinatra... His, that's right. Did you hey, sing in his microphone? No, I did not, oh, but I've man, used those chambers. Capital Five really? is the chamber, and it's a yeah. live chamber yeah. underneath the studio yeah. in a basement that I guess um, was designed by, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. This is what happens when I get this old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ancient. You look like you're about 45. Les Paul. Les Paul. Oh, my God. He designed yeah. the chamber, and it was built by somebody else, but he had designed it because he was a genius back then. See, honest to God, you make references, and this uh, this this interview is going to go like 10 hours. That's okay. Gonna, we got a lot to talk about, <laughs> One of my favorite things, and I'll move on very quickly, I promise. Johnny Winter yeah. was playing a Les Paul. Yeah. Many people don't know that Les Paul's plug in underneath instead of in the face mm-hmm. of the guitar. And he was over at the Labor Temple singing, I just love Johnny Winter, and he's playing, but yeah. he kept stepping on the guitar chord, the chord, and therefore he'd unplug the guitar. So you hear this magnificent guitar playing, this wonderful music, still alive and well, or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And every time he stepped on a chord and his guitar would something, he'd go, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> It was phenomenal. So Les Paul, yeah, Les Paul. I, I, I had the pleasure to meet Les Paul once. Yeah. So, so what you guys did for me, and you did, you know, as as mo- moving through life, Foolish Heart, whatever it is, it's a magnificent song and makes people, do people understand what that is? That song specifically was written uh, by a really good friend of mine and myself, uh, Randy Goodrum, very talented writer mm-hmm. out of Nashville. Um, 
we got together and we're, we're just sketching some ideas one day and that song got finished the same day which was something new for me uh randy says well let's uh let's come up with some ideas so we came up with the ideas and then we went and had lunch and he says great we'll go back and do the lyrics i said what Okay, excuse me. I figure, you know, usually you write an idea and then you think about the lyrics. He said, no, in Nashville, he called it skull. We're going to skull out the lyrics. We're going to skull it out. Sure. Was, you know, dig deep in our heads. And we finished the lyrics that day. That song was sketched and done and ready to be recorded that day. So yeah. uh, it is basically what you hear. That is the song. That's what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. You can tell. But let me tell you something. I hope this has been told to you before. I walked in here. Steve and I have never met before. Right. Love his music. Love your voice. Man. I owe you money, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like a quarter. But I walked in, and I always do this. I, I observe. And because of the way I grew up, protecting myself, I observe everything, right? Me too, Tom. Way. I have, I have that in common. That's exactly what I was going to say. You comport yourself a lot like I do. You're a very nice that's, man. That's I, very interesting. <laughs> I, I I hope people do. I hope you know you're a very nice man. You do protect yourself, which is a cool thing. Well, I kind of grew up having to protect myself from about the age of, uh, I would say, seven, eight on. I was on my own. I really was. Uh, And on that property where I went and shot some of those photos, there was a garage where I used to hide just to uh, feel safe. Mm -hmm. And there was some locations to to not be heard. Even when my parents called me, said, it's time for lunch. I would own my own. Yeah, I would own my myself by not responding, and you know I had a lot of friends in the streets, and uh, it was a tough time. You know, it but, is, yeah. but it's probably where all the greatness comes from. I think all the music comes from those places. Yeah. I really do. Still, I think that's absolutely right because you'll yeah. never forget it. It's it's the beginning of of memory for most people. You know, uh, they say by the time you're nine years old, you forget your early memory. You actually remember being two years old and three years old until you turn nine, and then that goes away. So you get to about four or five then. Hmm. So some of your earliest memories, my earliest memories, are are hard times and strife and things like that. I don't think you can be that creative, a creative as you are, without having gone through that. I don't think you can do it. I, I, you know, I don't. I this is going to sound really strange, Tom, but I honestly don't claim any credit for my creativity. I don't because <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, all I do is start the process and I try to stay open to what is happening and I just sort of nudge myself around like, oh, I like that. Well, that's not so good. I'll follow that, you know, and I'll follow that for a while. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, that's not so cool. And I'll follow the, I just keep following the openness of what can show up. And, and again, this may sound strange, but it kind of tells me on its own what works and what doesn't just by paying attention to it. Yep. And listening to it. I could see that. Now, after being away for a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> what what happened? It, 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 you literally, you must have felt many, many times, I got to get back out there, man. It's what I love. It's what I do. Or maybe you had other things on your mind. You weren't thinking about that. But, but that must have, I mean, it bothered me that you weren't around. So it must have bothered uh, you. You know what I mean? Well... I was so fortunate to be in the band journey. I mean, it was a time of my life that I would not, I would do it again in a minute. Mm -hmm. I really would. If, If I could go back and do that all again, I'd do it again. 
But, you know, things move on. And we were right. at a point, I think, and I certainly will speak for myself, was at a point where I was just burnt out, Tom. I understand. And uh, uh, my love for music, as I said earlier with you, that had saved my life, had left me. And I was very frightened about that. I was feeling very uh, uncomfortable with music and PTSD kind of feelings. And what is happening here? Uh, that coupled with, to be honest with you, some... Uh, extra behaviors that started to show up to fill that. What? <laughs> Not me. Not me. But, but I think when your love for something starts to wane, you're going to start to fill that gap with something that's probably not good for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you put that together and it just started to crash. And so I knew in my heart intuitively that I need to just do one thing and it's not going to be a popular thing. I just need to stop. And, and yeah. so I did. I just stopped. And everybody went, what's going on? Right. I need to stop. And so I did. And, and, and I just landed in my life and tried forever to make that just be enough. Now, you're right. That's, that was tough because yeah. every night you get people loving you, giving you applause. You get adoration. Um, you get so much love from people when you're performing and they love your music. Walking away from that is insane, my mind said. But I knew if I start using external assistance to keep going... <laughs> He's I'm looking gonna... right at me when he's saying that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Exactly okay. what I'm going to, uh, I'm going to end up being another one of those statistics that we know yeah. exist with people yeah. who are successful in this business or any business. Mm -hmm. So I had to just stop and let where I am hitting the ground be enough. It was being on the road constantly. I don't know how you guys de deal with that. I used to, uh, as an example, I used to live in Minneapolis on Saturday and Sunday in Chicago on Monday and Friday in New York City on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, I got to stop for at least, you know, well, I guess in Chicago it was only one day at a time. How do you do that? You just travel and travel and travel and do, like, in a, when you were with Journey, how many nights a year would you perform? Yeah, the, the, the pacing of that tour uh, in those days, all the tours, in fact, were usually two to three on, one off, which was not a day off. It was a travel day. Right. And then right. you do another two to three on or four on. That's what you can do when you're really young, Tom. <laughs> well. You know, really. I mean, I was young and I was passionate for it. And I was just hungry, as the word implies, and 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 I loved it so. And and there was no extra behaviors until towards the end, where I was burned out, is when I started to uh, misbehave slightly. Um, but I was not the only one. I mean, you know, we no. were we were all anyway. But the point is that uh, myself, I like I said, I had to make some changes. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. 
Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> Chuck Knobloch. It's, a, it's wonderful that you're that honest because a lot of people are going to listen to this around the world, from what I understand, and you're doing a great service to people. And I, and I do talk about my, my kind of journey down that same mm -hmm. road, and I, I also had an anger issue. I know that's hard to believe, Steve, that but I had I an anger I think they issue. go together, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. They, yeah, do, they do, yeah. So to be honest with you, uh, last time, it's been about six years since I've touched anything now. Mm. Last time I did, I was at a beautiful restaurant called Taboo in Palm Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I got in an argument with a guy, and the guy at the next table said, why don't you watch your language? And I stood up, <laughs> and I took my steak knife, and I said, shut the F up or I'm going to kill you. And that was the last time I ever had anything to drink. Don't be nodding your head over there, Jill. I saw that. She's turning on us both over here. I know. But that's part of it as well. It's, it's, the, it's the sadness, the feeling alone. There's some anger because of that. You love what you're doing. All of that gets very confusing, doesn't it? You know, in, in the beginning when I first left the group and sort of the wheels touched down, you know, and I just had to live my life without all the rest of it, mm -hmm. uh, my mood swings were somewhere between trying to find some spiritual solace with Joseph Campbell and having occasional Joe, a Joe Pesci outbursts. <laughs> well, at least they were funny. Yeah. <laughs> they were funny in any So case. what's so funny about me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny, funny how? How, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So how long ago did, did this iteration of your life happen? When, when you decided to do something, um, we can talk openly about what you're doing now, right? Because this mm -hmm. is going to be a, okay, you've got new work coming out. Yeah. When did um, that start, do you think? Well, years went by. I mean, yeah. years and years went by. And I would say about, um, oh boy, six years maybe or so, maybe seven years ago, I met this girl named Kelly. And, um, you know, I was doing fine. I thought I had a pretty good open heart for all those years. I was pretty comfortable not being in the limelight, which I always was kind of all about. And I really didn't get into too much public eye, even when I was in the band. But um, I was pretty comfortable just being enough on my own and I had no plans of returning to the music business. And then I met Kelly, and um, when I met her, she was already fighting for her life with stage four breast cancer oh. and 
and had been doing that for three years, but you'd never know it. She looked amazing. And she was a PhD psychologist and, uh, and we just were inseparable. And, um, so for about a year and a half, we were together and then I lost her, um, uh, 12, 14, 12. And it took me two to three years of grieving, honestly, uh, to sort of, to sort of, to think about opening up some of the songs that I was writing when I was with her and some of them I'd written before uh, I'd met her. Mm -hmm. And I opened up those hard drives with my engineer, Tom Flowers, and we started looking at it. And uh, next thing I know, I picked a handful of songs and we started recording because earlier on, she had asked me uh, if something was to ever happen to her, that uh, I would make one promise. And I said, well, what's that? She said that uh, I wouldn't go back into isolation. And I said, okay, I promise that. She said, because she said, I just got a feeling it would make this all for naught. So she was looking at the idea that we, we met, were together, and if something was to happen to her, that if that's the way it was going to go, it must have purpose. So I made the promise to not go back into isolation. And I'm talking to you now, Tom, about a new record I it's finally phenomenal. made. Do you think, because I do want to talk a lot about the record, I'm very excited, because mm-hmm. obviously I haven't heard it yet, but mm-hmm. I get to in a short uh, bit, a couple of days. Do you think her strength is what got you through the whole thing? You kind of like picked up on her strength. And, I and never went, seen anybody yeah? so in love with life yeah. and not giving up. And, you know, Tom, how would a guy like me know if someone says, I love you? How can I believe them, Tom? I, no, I right? Know. How can I believe I, yep. that? You know? I'll tell you how. When someone like Kelly, stage four cancer patient, looks me straight in the eye and says she loves you, that's how. Yeah. So for the first time, she's got better things to do than to waste her time, okay, doing that kind of a move. So when she said that to me, I was done. Yeah. That's the first time and maybe ever got in deep like that. And of course, I loved her too. And we were inseparable. That started the whole process. Yeah, I can absolutely understand it. Because look, for me, again, you, you and I have a lot in common. And one of those things is my wife, is a very very strong woman she's far too good for me i know that but the just the other night part of what i do and take life a lot easier she was standing over the sink and she had kind of a frown on her face and i said what is that your i'm angry look and she goes no it's the my husband's pathetic and sad look (laughs) so it made me laugh i had a wonderful and but that toughness that she has well it's an honesty that you you're grateful for you know absolutely And, and i had that to it, Kelly. She uh, she would run the risk of my disapproval by telling me the truth. Okay, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and I think men need that. By the way, I don't think men should not have that. Men especially need that from a woman. You got to have that. Relationships need that. Oh, no question. Earlier in the interview, you brought up looking for some spirituality. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently you found it. Well, I, I'm all over the map. Uh, not with her, you weren't. But I but I love every bit of it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I I just think that uh, I needed to. Like I said, be enough at some level. So it's an always evolving thing, my contact with whatever life's meaning's about. Uh, Right now, I have to tell you, my purposeful meaning is to talk about doing something that I swore I'd never do and that I did it, which was get my feet back in the mm-hmm. in the creative waters of writing, recording, arranging, mixing, singing music. I built a studio in my house. I hired a great engineer. We were living in the box together and, and making all these decisions with incredible musicians coming and going from Josh Freeze on drums to, to Steve Ferroni to 
Vinnie Calguto on drums to, I mean, just great players. John Five on guitar. It just the list goes on. I made a, a record I'm really proud of, and and it's something I thought I'd never do. And here sure. I am talking to you about it, and it's actually done. I get to hear it in a couple of days. Yeah. I'm still excited about that. Um, so basically, you've carried all of this from the time you're seven and whatever. One thing I will tell you about about your music when I listen to your music, it's real. It's not. I'm just make this line. Oh yes, I love you the most. It's yeah. not like that at all. You talk about why things, why you feel the way you do, why you're doing what you do. You've always done that in your, mu- in your music, which I, I just love. Well, that's so sweet. Somebody somebody told me one time uh, they thought that I, I carry my heart on my sleeve, someone yeah. said, and, yep. and I, I never heard that before. Um I don't know, Tom. You know, I I, I kind of ran from those feelings. You know, I, sure. I was on tour with the band for so many years. I would finish a show and I would leave. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I'm just mm-hmm. the first time we're doing all this stuff. Uh, I just felt that I would just sing and disappear. And then finally, I got to a point where that ended and I just disappeared. And now, no, you didn't. Well, I know. <laughs> I know you didn't disappear. <laughs> you know. I, and by the way, that's amazing to me too that yeah. I physically went away something miraculous happened this music i didn't even realize how much it meant to people until years go by and people still embrace it i mean what am i supposed to say about that i I just don't think i have the words of gratitude even don't cover it uh uh, it it isn't like it isn't like i i don't need any more money and the music business gone anyway (laughs) you know what i mean right yeah i understand i mean it's just i don't i'm just i'm just stunned emotionally that these songs still mean so much to people more than anything that's what it floats my heart well here's one of the things i should be mad at you because you're telling the kelly story and i'm over here tearing up thank you so much for that (laughs) but i know exactly what you're talking about i i adore my wife that same way and she knows that you're lucky to have her man i'm telling you i want you to go home today with a dozen roses tom i could do that and when she asks you (laughs) when she asks you tom what are these for i want you to put a little card on it just says i love you and that's it what you've done now in the in the beginning part of this this interview, and I never check the time on interviews. I just go and we keep going. You've explained what this next album's all about. If people don't understand where it all started, what you've been through, how you adored Kelly, you found some spirituality in her strength. Tell us about the album. We know it's going to be, or it is phenomenal because you're done. Well, I'm really proud of the record. The record uh, is is a, a semblance of music. Uh, that I've gathered through those years. Um, No Erasing is the first track on the first side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically a song about going to your class reunion and you, you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time and eh, she's got her life, but he's not there. You got your life, she's not there. And you're, you're at a class reunion together and you, you go outside and you sit in the car and have some conversation. And then you jump in the car and you go park. In my area where I was raised, there was canals, like lots of canals. So we used to park on the canals and smooch. We used to smooch in the back seat of a car, in fact. And so you jump in the back seat of the car and you you hang out together. Nothing bad happens, but you might be smooch a little bit, you know, and talk about the old days. And it's no erasing, you know, and, oh, it's been a long time coming since I saw your face. You know, it's, it's just about that. And also... 
it's a double meaning to the audience because uh, in a lot of ways they are the same thing. They, they are that reunion feeling to me of going to something that I haven't seen in so long. And so the opening line is, you know, it's been a long time coming since I've seen your face. Or, I know it's been a long time coming since I've seen your face, actually. Did you ever attend a high school reunion in real life? I have. You have? Oh, that I shocks have. me. Actually. Yeah, I did the 10-year, and then I did the 15-year, and then I stopped. I yeah, just, I yeah. just, I don't know. I, I, it was hard. I would imagine it's probably true. I, I actually, my high school dropout. I did go to college for one day, but I couldn't find a place to park, so I quit. <laughs> so, that's a true story. <laughs> you couldn't play to wait. You couldn't park, so you left. Yeah, I'm like, I can't go here. There's nowhere to park. <laughs> you know, it's just how life is, I'm right? But yeah, I, I, I just. Uh, my high school reunion basically is thinking back to my high school counselor and she said, Tom, you're 16 years old. Why are you quitting school? And I said, because I have to get an education. And she didn't like that. But that makes sense to me. Absolutely. See, that's, that's, that's what I think we share is, is, Mm -hmm. you know, life's the greatest teacher. It's going to be a little rougher. It's going to have invisible walls that you're going to hit and they're not Mm going to feel good, but boy, everybody has to hit those. No question. How long did it take you to write the new album? The new album uh, probably took probably about three, four years of sketching ideas, stopping, sketching ideas. Um, Some of the songs I wrote, like Most of All, uh, was a song I wrote before I met Kelly, but it was about profound loss. And um, I didn't play that for her because Mm. I didn't want to bring that energy into her quest to to beat this thing she was facing. So after I'd uh, lost her, I pulled the song out. And what was fascinating is the song was always about her before I met her. And then after I lost her it was still about her and then also there's another one the album uh, that does the same thing too but the whole album isn't about profound loss there's some rock and roll there's some happy moments there's a lot yeah no question about it but it has uh, i mean that has a deep meaning for you it has for me i haven't even heard it yet but um you know it takes a very special person and i mean this highest regard for you and kelly but a lot of guys are so shallow that they found out that she had any kind of problem they would said oh i can't do that the fact that you did and she- well you want to know how it went down <laughs> i would love to he's got his joe pesci face on again <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you <laughs> Patty Jenkins is a close friend of mine. She, uh, she's a director, writer. She did the movie Monster. She did the last Wonder Woman. She's doing the new Wonder Woman. Um, and Patty, just a, like I said, a close friend. And uh, she was editing uh, a TV show called uh, Five about women who had survived cancer. And um, one particular character in the movie is facing the same trials who happens to be an oncologist. And uh, I'm sitting in the editing bay with Patty looking at the television. And all of a sudden, the camera's panning across this patio of a hotel. I mean, a hospital, excuse me. Let me start over. I'm sitting with Patty in an editing bay and uh, uh, doing this TV show called Five for Lifetime. And the camera's panning across this patio in a hospital environment. And all these patients are sitting out as the narrator's going, and this guy has prostate cancer and he's doing fine. And, and this woman has breast cancer and she's doing fine. And they're living with it. And that was the whole theme of it was that they are surviving and going on with their lives in, irrespective of the fact that they're fighting this disease. So I said to Patty, 
Patty, I said, can you can you go back? I said, okay, stop right there. Who's that? Well, that's Kelly Nash. I said, well, who's Kelly Nash? Well, she's a PhD psychologist that uh, had breast cancer, and I put real cancer patients. That's how Patty rolls, you know. Mm-hmm. I put real mm-hmm. cancer patients around the actors so that it would have some authenticity emotionally. And so I said, do you have her email? She said, well, yeah, because she knows I don't do this. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Will you send her an email? She said, yeah. I said, will you tell her a friend of yours named Steve would love to take her to coffee or something? So she said, yeah, but there's something I should tell you. So what's that? Well, she was beating it, but it came back and it's in her lungs and her bones. And she's stage four. She's fighting for her life. I went, oh, God. So I was at that moment, Tom, where I, too, was challenged with should I go forward with this and send sure. the email or should I just pull back? I already lost my mom, my dad, my grandparents who raised me. I'm an only child. I don't. My thinking is I don't want to get close and lose anymore. I'm going to just, you know, right? So my heart said, my head said, I don't know. My heart said, send it. So I said, Patty, send it. And she got back to me and we got together, uh, had dinner June 16th, and we were inseparable. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, the ultimate weight loss program powered by Nutrimos is having an early holiday sale. Well, you'll receive 20 to 30% off the cost of the program. Shed those unwanted pounds and look great before the holidays get here. Lose 20 pounds or more. Consumer guarantee. See website for details, ultimatewl.com. Ultimate's plan is unlike any other weight loss program out there. With over 1 million pounds lost to date, and clients like me will tell you that this is a weight loss program that works. This plan is customized for each individual person, and the Ultimate Weight Loss staff will be there for you every step of the way. They helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Start to live your healthiest life and schedule an immediate consultation in their new Edina location or Plymouth with expanded hours. And look great for the holidays. Sale ends Saturday, November 9th. Call now and save. 763-333-7337. See, that's it, though. Right there. Uh, I think most guys' heads would have said, nah, 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 I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But you actually have a heart. That's my heart drove that. I, I, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was kind of along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where did that come from, your mother, your father? Well, you've got some questions, Tom. That's a good question. Seriously. Well, uh, your, your music kind of speaks to that. I, I, I Wow. I always ask people that when they do kind things or, or they, you know, work from their heart forward. Mm. Somebody taught them that. I would have to say the biggest part of that comes from my father and my grandmother on my mother's side. Then coming third would be my mother and last would be her father. Because my grandmother, 
my mother's mother was just the kindest, most giving. She would always buy food for people who lived in the neighborhood. And if we, if we were up in like the San Joaquin Valley in the area near Sequoia Park, she'd pull the car over, open the trunk, and my grandfather would say, what are you doing? He was a farmer, right? She'd say, come on, help me. And I'd go, what? I'd get out. She'd have empty crates. We'd steal oranges. <laughs> Oh my God! I swear to God, and and, and my grandfather's thinking we're gonna go, we're going to jail, we're gonna get shot. Get out of here! So so she says, shut up and help me. We'll get out of here faster. Then we would get home. She'd fill a paper bag full. Take this one to Miss Malika. Take this one over to the Massafuchis. Mm-hmm. Take this one. And these were my neighbors, right? You know, and uh, and I would just deliver fruit. So that's a lot of it comes from her. And then my dad was he loved everybody. He really? just. I don't know, man. My dad was a a wonderful cat. Is that where the music comes from? Thinking yeah, about it now. Yeah, that's he, where it comes from. He was a singer. He was yeah. a great, great sort of baritone Sinatra-esque singer who won a contest in my hometown, you know, in the theater back in those days that really? Sinatra put together. I, do you think most people understand where their music, if they write great music, do, do they understand where it comes from? Do, do they think they do, but they don't look back at what, the way you just did for our audience, being that honest about where it came from and to what degree it's great music. It can't just appear. It's well, I think life. I have to give credit to the landscape of music as it continues to evolve mm-hmm. in today's time too, because yeah, yeah. I listen to all music Um I love Ray LaMontagne. I love uh, I love Radiohead. Uh, there's so many different bands I really love and listen to. Uh, I was a big Coldplay fan for a while. Um, I love Katy Perry. I, I, I just go through all these phases of all these different kinds of music that just touch me. Uh, like Sarah McLachlan, Arms of an Angel, Kills Me. Um, these are songs, Inya, in the early days when Inya first showed up in the 80s. Yeah. I was devastated by that whole thing. So music has touched me and influenced my heart and helped me stay in touch with it so I can maybe access some of those feelings I think we're talking about. That's really great. I think a lot of people aspire to be big-time musicians, big-time songwriters and singers, but they, I think they need to look inward and be really honest with themselves. It has to come from somewhere. It doesn't just appear. It comes from life's lessons that you learn, wonderful people you're around, maybe some people you're around that weren't that wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people do fail because they, they won't do that, what you do. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. I've been fortunate, I guess. I've been fortunate in so many ways, Tom. I can't even count them. I mean, I really, really am very fortunate. You know, do you know that it's easier to win the lotto than to get a career in the music business? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because oh, somebody's yeah. winning the lotto at least once a week. Yeah. They're not handing out music careers. No. Okay, so that's how fortunate I really am. That's how difficult it was coming from a small farm community in the central San Joaquin Valley, dreaming, listening to radio come through this little transistor Mm -hmm. and seeing an invisible ether of a world out there. I just I I just wanted to be part of that uh, so much. And uh, I was so fortunate to become part of it. Well, I think you worked rather hard, too, didn't you? But, you know, a lot of people work hard and a lot of people are more talented than all of us. And they just, for some reason, the break never happened. So still, there's a lot of other stuff in play here. You love baseball. I got to mention something. It ties in. (laughs) Gary Gaetti was the third baseman for the Minnesota Twins when they won the World Series back in 87, 91. And I was standing talking to Gary one day. We were very close friends. And I said, you know what's amazing, Gary? 
Did, did some woman just whistle at me? It's my fault. <laughs> I swear to God, I, I'm I'm psychic. I had a feeling I forgot to turn my phone off, and the moment I reached to turn my phone off, it whistled. I was right. That's a good thing. <laughs> so it all works out in the end. Oh, go ahead, say that again. But I but I t- I was talking to Gary Gaetti, nice man, phenomenal baseball player, and and baseball is a very special game. You know that. But I said, Gary, isn't it amazing as you're standing here? You guys just won the World Series, and now you're back to start the 88 season. Isn't it amazing? You you have to know there are people out there that are better than you at this, but they'll never get the chance to do it. He looked exactly. at me like, what are you talking about? I said, no, that's nothing against you. But there are some people out there that are a lot better than I am at what I do and a lot better than you at what you're doing, but they'll never get the chance to exactly do it. Exactly my point. Exactly. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. and, and so what that is, I don't know, except by I think we're just very fortunate. A lot of good fortune, no question about yeah. it. Uh, I, I just anybody who, first of all, you're a very very smart guy. Did you know that? You know that. I've been called a lot of things, but not smart not as much that. Never, never been called smart in your life, but, but you know you are. You're very observant. You're very smart. You understand what things are. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I try to. I try to be as aware as possible and truthful as as possible. And you know, honestly, it, it, this is a challenge for me, and I'm embracing the challenge, yeah. meaning uh, just talking about myself for the first time. I've never done this, Tom. You never uh, have, really? No, not it's really. wonderful. Thanks. Uh, but, but I think that uh, I think I'm ready to talk about myself, and mm-hmm. I think back then I don't think I was ready. I just was not ready. It's what I enjoy so much about. This job is not working. I mean, to sit down here and talk to you about your whole life. I didn't want to know just about, well, what about yesterday and what about tomorrow? That's great. But I want to know about everything about everybody yeah. that I talk to. I just love finding it because it helps me. Yeah. You know, I can grow in life if I know, you know, now that I met you, it it, it, it will enhance my life oh, because man. you have, it's good to know somebody as successful as you understands why you were and you have a big heart about it. You're a smart guy. You're a very nice man. Did you uh, know that? Thank you so much. Well, you are, though. I mean, you... I've talked to some people aren't that nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're catching me on a good day, Tom. Yeah, a good day. So I, I, I know we, we uh, how, much, how much time do we want? Oh, really? You're coming over. Jill. What is Jill saying? What was the cue card? Oh, do we have a limited time? What? How much time do we have? Oh, we got cumulus in Rhode Island on hold. Blow so. them off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For a little bit. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to talk all Heather about the Elvis. The Steve Perry fans. So I'm having fun, knows. Jill. Can I have some fun? Yeah. Jill me rem- and Tom are talking. Jill's about one third my age, but she reminds me of my mother. Oh. Only my mother would stand over me and lord over me like that, like you just did, Jill. That's a hell of a compliment, by the way. Oh, that's right. Very quickly, I'll tell you this, Jill. My mother was an art. I grew up Roman Catholic. My mother was a big. She thought JFK being elected president was the greatest thing that ever happened because he was Catholic, right? <laughs> I mean, everything was Catholic. So my mother, unfortunately is dying and one of the moments that you just shared i adored my mother i mean just loved her so i take her hand and she goes tommy i i don't know if i want to die i said mom come on you you know your whole life you've been faithful you get to meet jesus you get to meet the virgin mary and she goes i don't give me that Oh my God! That's, that's something you would say. That's right? brilliant, though. That's <laughs> it is, brilliant, isn't it? Though. It's what I'm talking about. See, you understand that. It's yeah. wonderful. Now we will spend the rest of the time talking about the new album because okay. I want to know all about. It. Okay. So 
Uh, song by song? You should go over No More Crying. Okay. And Sunshine's Gray. Okay. You're kind of pushy over there. Okay. Did I, did, I, did I talk <laughs> about... It does have to stay on track. Here, yes. Yeah. Did, did okay, I Mom. Talk, did I talk uh, enough about No Erasing, or did I go into something else? I can do another one. You did, you did pretty well on that, I thought. I can do another one. You said smooching three times. <laughs> she was listening. She was listening. That's good. <laughs> Paying attention. For everybody in Radio Land, that is Jill, the one and only Radio Honey Badger of the Universe. She is indeed. <laughs> She's quite confident. Yes. That's confident. Good. I like that. <laughs> she is. That's right. a nice word. Confident. Hey, you're very confident. All right. Well, it's okay, She's okay. She's back to us. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, right. no more crying. You want to enter on Tell me about No More Crying. Yeah, I can do that. Would you please tell me about No More Crying? It interests me. No More Crying is... Uh, it's an interesting song. At the last minute of the making this record, uh, my engineer Tom says, you know, there was one song on your hard drive that you had sketched, and, and um, it was interesting, and I think it could really round off the record because we have so many different modes and colors and rhythms and, and directions. There's some rock, R&B. There's some, so many different things. He said, this song... I don't know. He says, I don't know what that song was, but can we go look for it? So we looked for it. It was called No More Crying. And I wrote it with Dan Wilson, who uh, is a songwriter for Semisonic, That's who right. wrote uh, Closing Time and did a lot of work, I think, with the Dixie Chicks also back in the day. And um, well, that song was sitting there. So we started to overdub on it, work on it and bring it up to speed. The song has lots of different layers to it. It sort of has relationship layers. It has love relationship layers. It may even have some of my isolation era layers in the second verse about being alone and it's fine and I'm having a peaceful life behind closed doors. But in the in the dead of a night, I start to remember is what he says, you know. So there's nowhere to hide from it. And then it also has some other perhaps, you know, old relationships going back to my success days. Then the song grows into some musical uh, orchestral places that just, for me, uh, are some of my favorites. I cannot wait to hear that. How many cuts in the album? Um, there's 10. I like that. But. Want to hit the deluxe? Yes or no? I can't hear you. Don't mention it. There's 10 on the record. Uh, there are some bonus tracks, but we're trying to figure out what to do with those right now. So. And I get to t- interview you again when they come out. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> That'll yes. be good. You may hear them. I don't know. It depends how nice you talk to Jill. Traces. <laughs> Why did you go with Traces? If you see the cover, gosh, I wish we had the cover. Uh, oh, sh- you have the cover. Uh, hold on. I'm going to get the cover for you. Oh, my gosh. My manager's here, and she, I should have known that she'd be on top of this. What made me think she wouldn't be? My goodness. Well, I mean, very competent. Oh, okay. my God. Hold that in. I'll hold this in. So this is the cover. The right side of it is the, uh, is the front of the album cover. The left side will be the back of the album cover. And if you look closely, my entire life is in and all over this cover. Yeah. I've, I've missed a few things, but not much, Tom. Um, my hometown is in there. Uh, my little theater where my dad sang uh, Pennies from Heaven and won that contest that Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. yeah, started. Sure. Uh, if you look closely, it says, appearing tonight, Ray Perry's son. That's me. Um, there's, my old house is in there. Uh, there's, uh, there's a bottle of wine with a 
with a snake around it from my more abusive days. And there even is some powder on the road, which we won't discuss (laughs) back in the day. I mean, the old drum set on the left-hand side. Um, There's there's so much on this, including in the clouds looking down is Kelly, my mom and dad. Uh, There's just a lot to look at, a lot to discover on this cover. Um, And some of it is on the website. That explains to me exactly what we've been talking about for the last hour. Mm-hmm. You are who you are because of that. Thanks, Tom. No, it's true. I mean, it's a, it's heartfelt. It's wonderful. I, I, I don't know. I don't say this to many people, but I am very impressed with you as a human being, man. You're a very Thank impressive you, man. Well, it's, it's true. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I, I've never had a chance to do an interview with you before, and I'd love to do this again anytime. Oh, I would love to do it. I'll come to your house and cook your wife dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. It works for as me. long as you're not there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much. I'll bring her roses, I'm not, Tom. I'm not going to win in that argument at all. It's not going to happen. Uh, Trace is the name of the album, and uh, and we'll talk about it on KQRS when the when the uh, the date comes. You want to reveal that yet, or you want? Yeah. To that? Okay. Sure. Traces is the name of the record, and it's uh, coming out soon. Uh, October. October. Okay, let me do it again. Traces is the name of the re- Traces is the name of the record, and it will be out October fifth, and I'm really excited about it, and uh, it'll be available everywhere. Okay, two things: uh, the name of the album, uh, a coincidence, a connection in my life. I have a nephew got in a car accident when he was uh, about. 13, had serious brain damage, and he's been affected by it ever since. He lost a lot of mobility. He doesn't speak very clearly. I adore this this young man. He's a young man now. I adore him. And his name is Trace. Oh, <laughs> so wow. That's kind of like, you know, stop making me tear up over here. You know, we it's should Steve's do, fault. What we should do is uh, let's call him after we're done here. We'll give a call to him, talk to him a little bit. Well, we could probably do that. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. Usually in the, these interviews, because, and thank you so much for yeah. time but what a great honor to, to be asked to do this and the honor's mine thank you you're amazing usually when when uh uh interviews wrap up uh like a red light will appear or a blue light will appear and you know that the interview's over in this case it's jill saying tom shut up <laughs> no, no i can't <laughs> no, i want to keep going <laughs> thank you so much great great just talking to you being in uh, in your presence and everybody you have with you uh, nice people thank They're you very nice. yeah, thank they you, are sir. great steve perry ladies and gentlemen